0: Hey, Real Life Church, it's Pastor Jim, it's good to be with you again, God bless you. Uh, We are in a new series of teachings on the weekends called Territories, and we're looking at the way God's kingdom expands physically and spiritually on the earth. And so as we launched into this series, we started a new practice together. Uh, We're we're fasting for 21 days. Uh, For a lot of of us, this is brand new. Uh, What a fast is, is a period of time where you abstain from something to dedicate yourself to prayer. And traditionally, when you hear about fasting, you think about abstaining from food for a day to dedicate yourself to prayer. But a 21-day fast comes from the book of Daniel, where the prophet Daniel gave up the rich foods of Babylon for three weeks and took on a vegetarian diet. So many of us are doing that together uh, in order to dedicate ourselves to prayer. And specifically, prayer that God's kingdom would expand in our lives and in our church especially as our church looks to acquire a new property. We're praying for all of that and praying for our 2022. Uh, and I would encourage you to take this on, even if you've never done this before, even if you've never fasted, even if you just uh, pick picked something like uh, social media or caffeine to give up for the rest of the month in order to dedicate yourself to prayer. That would be worthwhile in your development as a spiritual being, in your growth in the spirit. Give something up, dedicate yourself to prayer, and when you pray, pray that God's kingdom would expand in your heart and in your life. And so that's what we're doing together. And I'm cognizant of the fact that as we talk about territories, it's, it's, we're in sort of a unique situation in world history. The church in America has been receding in terms of members every year since 1967. The number of people in the United States who call themselves members of a church has been dropping every year for decades, uh, and so we're here talking about expanding territories in a culture that is not seeing the, the church, is not seeing the kingdom expand its territory. I, I've told you that one of the biggest churches in uh, Covina over here has, or in West Covina, uh, has sold its property, and it's on its way to becoming an Amazon warehouse. Uh, there are all kinds of churches all over the place that are selling their properties to developers, and those properties are turning into condos, and that land that was dedicated for worship is now going to be lost. And here we are talking about acquiring a property in a season where churches are getting rid of property. So that is a countercultural situation here at real life, a particular and unique countercultural situation. And on top of that, we as a church have a mission to lead lost people to Jesus. We're not here just to make ourselves comfortable. The mission of real life is not to offer the familiar to the already religious so they can be comfortable at church. Lots of churches do it that way, and those churches die. Our eyes are on those who are lost cheap, who need to reconnect with the God who loves them. And so, again, very countercultural in the world of American Christianity. So, uh, all that to say, if you want to be normal, this is the wrong church for you. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're the church, and we get to do church together. And I'm glad this year we get to see God's kingdom expand. Take a minute and pray with me, and we're going to look at the expansion of God's kingdom as it runs through the narrative of the scriptures. Let's pray together. Father, I, love, I, I, I thank you that you love us the way that you do. I thank you that you loved us so much that you didn't leave us alone in this world to just take guesses at who you are, but instead, you came down and walked among us so that we might know you, and not only did you die on the cross for us, but you, you sent in your, in your place a, a spirit that resides within us, that reminds us of your teachings, and that comforts us, and that chastens us, and that calls us to you. Jesus, we want more of you in us. So send your spirit and bless our worship. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. So we're in a series called Territories, and we're looking at the expansion of God's kingdom physically and spiritually as it runs through the narrative of the Scriptures. The Scriptures begin with a story of God's people being dislocated from their home. Adam and Eve are born into a beautiful, peaceful garden, but they rebel against God and they lose it. After that, they are homeless. And the narrative then picks up when God calls a couple, Abraham and Sarah, and promises them a place that they can call home again. And I want to read you the great promise that God made to Abraham and Sarah in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is the promise that initiates the story of the scriptures. The narrative of the scriptures is the story of God's people looking for a place to call home. Uh, it's, a, it's something that taps into the deepest longings of our hearts. Do you know that longing for a place? To call home. Uh, if, you've, if you've just moved to a new place, or if you're a, a college student who's left what you called home to begin life in a, a new location, or if you're in a profession that constantly moves you around, you, you may know that, that longing for home and that disorientation when things don't feel like home anymore. The Bible taps into that longing, and the whole story of the Bible is the story of God's people looking for a place to call home. It resonates within us. When you, when you read the narrative of the scriptures, and you understand the, the big view from 30,000 feet, you understand how the narrative resonates with the longings that God has placed within us. I remember when my wife and I were just married, and we moved into a little apartment. I think it was 800 square feet. And uh, everything we owned, we could reach from the bed. And uh, it, it was... It was different than what we had grown up in. It wasn't what we uh, expected in the long term, but it was home. And we loved it because it was our little place, this little rental apartment in San Pedro. Uh, we, uh, we made our, our, our lives together there. And there are great memories from those early days of that first place we got to call home together. I remember one day sitting in the, uh, in the little living room there and just feeling like I was at peace with the world. And there was a, a deck deck down below us in the apartment complex that had grills on it. We decided we were going to grill dinner and have a grilled dinner there, just celebrate being at home together. And my wife went down to grill some ribs and uh, put them on the grill. And I opened the window so I could smell the, the ribs drifting in the window. And I sat there thinking, this is beautiful. This is home. This is family. This is, this is what I've longed for. And then I hear my wife outside the window yelling, bring the fire extinguisher. And, uh, and that was a good memory of home as well. Uh, the ribs weren't all that great that night, but we, get, we got used to life together. We, we all have that longing for a place that's just the, our little nook, the place that we can call our own. That's not an accident. That's not a, a hiccup of psychology. That's a fingerprint of God that he's placed on your heart so that you go looking for him. The great father of the church, Augustine of Hippo, said that our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you, O Lord. Our hearts are restless for a place to call home, and we find that home in God. God has placed that longing on our hearts so that we'll realize we're not yet at home in this world. We're in a place that isn't yet settled. It isn't final. There's something still to come, and that longing drives us to go looking for something more. God calls us to himself with the DNA of a homeward longing that he's placed in us. The whole Bible then follows that story of God's people looking for a place to call home. It starts with Abraham. I'll I'll, uh, call you to be my people. I'll give you a land. You'll have descendants, as many as there are stars in the sky. I will give you a place to call home. And the whole narrative of the Bible then follows the descendants of Abraham looking for a place to call home. Here's the outline of the Bible. As we, we dive into the series on territories, we're going to follow the narrative of the Bible and the incidences of God's people moving into places that they will call their home. Here, here's the outline of the Bible. This is a, a structure that you can use to remember the whole thing. Picture the Bible, uh, the outline of the Bible, as the letter W. It follows the structure of the letter W. Uh, and you think of the main points, the main turning points of the Bible, as points at which God's people are either in the land that God has promised them, in their homeland, or out of it. And, and it follows a W, because they're in their land, and then they're out of it, and then they're in it again, and then out it, and then in it again. And that's the outline of the Bible. In, in the beginning, Abraham and Sarah are promised a land that will be their own. God says, I'll give this to you and your descendants. And so they stand on the promised land, where we would call modern-day Israel today. And that's the the beginning of the W. But by the end of the first book of the Bible, by the end of Genesis, they have lost their territory because of famine in the land. They've migrated to Egypt, and now they're outside of their their homeland. They've, They've lost it. They're no longer there. That's the first line of the W, the first arm of the W. And they end up in Egypt for hundreds of years. And the the Pharaoh of Egypt forgets their origins, and they become basically a slave people in Egypt until they cry out for God and say, God, set us free. Take us back to a place that we can call our own home. And so God calls Moses through a burning bush to go and set his people free from the Pharaoh and from Egypt. And there are plagues that come on Egypt. And finally, Pharaoh relents, and the people go running out into the desert seeking the place they call home. So this is now the second arm of the W is the journey from the Exodus all the way back till they move into the promised land. God gives them the Ten Commandments along the way. God tells them to build the tabernacle along the way so they have a a place of worship. But it's still mobile. It's still church on wheels. Until eventually they go back and they settle in Canaan, the promised land, the land they had always hoped for. And there they set up their own government. They set up their own homeland. They demand a king and God gives them a king. And their second king, David, is the best king Israel ever had. They, they stand on their homeland. They have a king to rule over them. They have a capital city. They anticipate having armies and walls around the city, and they'll be protected, and God's peace will reign on the earth because they've, God has finally given them a home. The second arc of the W. But then God's people aren't faithful. Solomon intermarries women from the surrounding nations, and he worships the gods of the surrounding nations, and he builds temples to their gods. And so in the succeeding generations, God allows the kingdom to fall apart. Israel splits in half in a civil war, and they're never as strong as they were as a united nation under David. It all starts to erode. And eventually, Assyria comes in from the north and conquers northern Israel, and Babylon comes in from the south and conquers southern Judea, and all is lost. They're back in slavery again. This is the second downward arm of the W. They they end up outside the land in Babylon in slavery again, longing for a homeland, pledging to keep themselves separate from the Babylonian culture, fasting from the food of the Babylonians to dedicate themselves to prayer. They try to hold their language together and their rituals and their holidays. They they want to keep their language intact in case the day might come where God is merciful and returns them back to their homeland. And so the last leg of the W comes when Ezra and Nehemiah lead the people back out of Babylon, back to restore their homeland, back to settle in the land that was once theirs. And they sit at the end of the Hebrew Scriptures, at the end of the Old Testament, waiting for a king in the line of David to come and restore the kingdom. The whole outline of the Bible, the the narrative arc of the Bible, is the story of God's people looking for a home. Abraham and Sarah are in it, and then they're lost in Egypt. They go and restore it and have David as their king, and then they're lost in slavery in Babylon. And finally, they go and return, and they rebuild the land, and they wait for a king who will sit on the throne. And so the Hebrew scriptures are a cliffhanger. Who's the king who will come? And the New Testament answers the question. Jesus is our king. And we find our home in him. The whole story of the Bible is the story of God's people looking for a home. And so that longing that we feel in our hearts... To have a community that knows us. To be identified by the people around us. To have a, a place that we call home. That, that longing is written into our DNA by the God who designed us to go looking for him. And he left for us his word, the scriptures that tell us a story of a search for home. I, I love the, the writing of a French writer, I don't know if I call him a philosopher, named Alan de Botan, And de Botan says... Uh, He wrote a book called The uh, Architecture of Happiness. And he said, um, He said, home is that place where when we enter it, it makes us say, Ah, that's who I am. Home reminds us of our identity, it tells us who we are. You know what it's like if you've been on a trip or a a vacation and you come back home again and you go in and it just feels right? It it reminds you of who you are. things that you have, the place that you are, it just settles you back into your identity again. You say, ah, this is who I am. God has placed in us a longing for home that nags at us. Even if you have a house, even if you have a place that's settled, there's still a longing that says, this world isn't quite right yet. I'm still looking for something. And that's a fingerprint of God on our hearts, calling us to look for him. It's not a psychological hiccup. It's a fingerprint of God. And it all began with a promise to Abraham. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Biblical vision for home is not just a property. It's a place tied to the context of worship and the ethics of living according to God's righteousness. This is a Martin Luther King Jr. weekend here, and he was a pastor who preached a vision for home. He preached a vision for a home where people of different colors could live together and work together and marry one another and worship together. And and he preached a sermon at the end of his life in 1968, I think it was in April, where he said, I've been to the mountaintop and I've seen the promised land and I may not get there with you, but as a people, we will reach the promised land. And the next day he was assassinated. He didn't live to see that promised land fleshed out. But you and I are inheritors of that vision. We long for a home where people are gracious to one another. Where we can live free to love, to build our families, to go about our work, and to worship our God. Real-life church is a story of that search for a home. In part, it's my own personal search for a home. Because I remember a season in which I was dislocated from the place that I called home. And I wasn't sure where I would work next. I wasn't sure if I was going to have to pull my kids out of schools and move them somewhere else. And honestly, I didn't know what I wanted to do next. I had a longing for home, and I didn't know where to find it. And I remember being thrust in front of a Bible study in a park and hearing someone announce that this was going to be a church, and I was not the one making the announcement. And I remember standing in the locker room of a middle school wondering how years of education and ordination and ladder climbing had gotten me to the place where, just before I walked out to preach, I was standing in a middle school locker room. It didn't feel like home, but I was aware that something was emerging. And it wasn't something that I was orchestrating. It was something that was coming about through a power that was not mine. I remember walking out here on this stage at Valley Center in 2019 for the first time and saying to all of you, can you believe this? Because I couldn't believe it myself. And I was even more shocked last year when somebody gave us a property. And then I was shocked again this year when somebody stepped forward and said they wanted to help us buy Valley Center. God has built in us a longing for home, but not just a property, a place of worship, a place of righteousness, a place of love and grace. Real life isn't just my story, it's it's our story. A lot of you have come here because you've left churches that were tiresome, that you were tired of the inauthenticity that came from performance churches where you had to put on a good face. And there was always some sour raisin of a person who was happy to tell everybody what was wrong with you. If you've left that behind, let's never recreate that. Beware the yeast of the Pharisees, Jesus said. We long for a home that is filled with love and forgiveness and grace. So let's be graceful. It all started with the promise to Abraham, I choose you, I will make you a great nation, I will make your name great, and I will bless you. Those who bless you, I will bless, and those who curse you, I will curse. You will be a blessing to many nations. If you believe in Jesus today, you are a descendant of Abraham. You are in that line, and that promise is for you. If you have longed for a place to call home, you're invited to step into the narrative of the scriptures. You're invited to follow after Jesus and be a part of that family that is blessed by God. Jesus went to the cross to open up for us a doorway to our home. And he's created in us a longing for that place to which we're going. The things that we settle into in this life are never going to quite be it. They're only a step on the way. Now, I realize uh, that uh, you all love it when I have a four-point sermon uh, with four ideas that you can write down. I get more thumbs up for sermons with four points that you can outline than anything else. And I realize this isn't one of those sermons. What I'm trying to do is we begin this series on the, the territories in the Scriptures is named for us, what's at the heart of the narrative of the scripture. And it's this. You and I are prodigal children in search for a home. We are cosmic orphans looking for our father. And he longs to throw the door open to us and invite us in. All that we are called to is to believe in Jesus. And you can make that decision today. If you've never before decided to give your life to Jesus and to follow after him, it is a return home like you've never had. I wonder about the early Christians and how they thought about home. Because when they realized who Jesus was and they began their mission, they lived counterculturally. Here's the picture. praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I think what happened is they figured out that this world was not their final home, that they were called to a home that was better than this one, and this world was simply a means to an end. In this world, God's kingdom expands physically and spiritually until it ultimately culminates in the next world, where we are invited into a place of peace. And that invitation is for anyone who longs for home. In the meantime, there are things we can do with that longing for home. So here are your four points. You happy now? Here's your four-point sermon, right? (laughs) Number one, Keep your eye on the vision of what we're called to. As the people of God, living from the word of God, we're called to a vision of a world of grace and love and forgiveness. We're called to a heaven that will be like that and a church that imitates it in this world. You and I are called to be a people of grace, so live for that grace. Keep your eye on the vision of a community in which people forgive one another and accept one another and love one another and hold each other to the truth. Keep your eye on that vision. Secondly, know the steps to get to the vision. The the mission of the church is the process that we go through to get to the vision. The mission of the church is to introduce lost people to Jesus until the whole world knows how much Jesus loves them. The the vision of the church is the Emerald City of Oz, and the the mission of the church is the Yellow Brick Road, right? So we're trying to get to the, the Emerald City. We're trying to get to the vision, so stick with the mission. Follow the Yellow Brick Road. Uh, By the way, nobody better be calling me a munchkin after this sermon is over. That's not funny. Number two, keep keep to the path. Know the path that, that gets to the vision. Stick with the mission of leading lost people to Jesus. Number three, stay close to the guide. Spend every day walking with Jesus as you fast and pray. And number four, every now and then, pause and look back. And give thanks for all that you've been through. Imagine what God has planned for what's ahead. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this journey that you've placed us on, searching for home. And I pray that you would place deep in our hearts a longing to stay close to you, to stick with the mission that you have laid out for us, to be apprentice shepherds seeking after lost sheep. And I thank you for the vision of a a world of peace that will ultimately be our home. May that vision reign over everything we are and everything we do. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Go be the church. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Facebook or Instagram at ReallifeLA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit Reallife.LA and tap Give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.